This is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and thanks for tuning in. A little later on this show, we are going to catch up with the guys from the show Under the Radar Michigan and talk to them about all these wonderful places they discover and explore here in the state of Michigan. But up front, this week, the the overwhelming news of violence from around the world and right here at home has at times overshadowed the presidential election cycle, which is only heating up. Uh, here to talk about the news and his new book is Mark Benelli, contributing editor for Rolling Stone. So I want to start with the I want to start with the, the book, Screamin' Jay Hawkins, uh, all time greatest hits is what it's called, and it's about uh, a blues singer who had one hit, but also this really interesting sort of travel through life and work and creativity uh, that you sort of capture in this, uh, this book that's not really a biography so much as it is a novel about, about what you imagine his life would have been like. Definitely, yeah, and that was, for me, you know, the, the huge appeal of, of Jay as, as a subject. Uh, I think the, the moment where it clicked for me and I, I thought, oh, wow, this could actually be a, a, a kind of an amazing uh, project to work on was just reading through his liner notes. And, and um, he would, you know, he, he, he like, like, like a lot of musicians had a penchant for sort of self mythologizing for, for telling certain tall tales. And, and I was just reading through his, his biography as he told it. And he claimed that he had, you know, been raised by a tribe of Indians in Cleveland <laughs> that he had uh, lied about his age when he was 14. So he could fight in world war two, that he was, um, that he studied opera as a kid, that he was a boxing champion in Alaska, you know, we could go on and on. And I thought, you know, I immediately thought of all these recent, um, uh, like biopics, you know, past 10 years or so, everything from Ray to the Johnny Cash one uh-huh. to, you know, more recent ones about like Miles Davis and Chet Baker. And, and you know, th- there have been so many of these, it's become kind of a cliche. And I thought, wow, this guy's life, which nobody would ever do in a million years, because as you said, he's he only had the one hit and he's a pretty marginal figure in the history of, of music. Um, this would be kind of a, such a perverse choice to get that kind of treatment yeah um yeah. and would be really fun to play around with yeah so uh here is uh screaming jay hawkins talk about this song uh this is the this is the hit the song. Uh, i put a spell on you um if people haven't heard this particular version you've probably heard the nina simone version yes. um which is more of um you know much more of a ballad and um, but this is the original. It came out in '56. Um, yeah, you can hear it's got kind of a, a strange sort of waltz time. Yeah, his yeah. vocals are really great. Um, he he manages to do this thing in this song, which I think is really hard to do. Where it's it's a it's a pretty funny song. I mean, yeah, you can hear him screaming. Yeah, uh, <laughs> screaming. <laughs> hence <day>. the name. <laughs> uh, you know, it's a funny song, but it doesn't. It's hard to. I, I think it's hard to put humor into music and not cross the line into into like a novelty song. Yeah. And he, he managed. It's it's also got a very creepy kind of feel. To yeah. It. Yeah. And there's and, something about it that you're like, what is this? Uh, what is this? It sounds almost like a Halloween song. Right? Yeah. yeah. And it doesn't quite. You know, considering it was recorded in '56, it's like 60 years old. I feel like it doesn't quite feel. It's a bit timeless, I think. You know, it doesn't feel like as much of like an oldie song as like certain other tunes you hear from that era. Right, right. Um, the horn section's great. We just heard, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 I'm sort of fascinated by the idea of uh, writing a writing a book, a novel, really, about somebody who uh, who's that uh, that sort of. Um, 
that's sort of odd, right? Yeah. It's that it's yeah. that it's that very strange dynamic that that uh, he has to his music and to his career. I guess that appealed to you, right? Yeah, and I think part of it, you know, um, I, I've written for years for Rolling Stone, and I've written now I write more about politics and general feature stories. Yeah. But but for years I profiled musicians. You wrote about and, music, yeah. And I, you know, one of my colleagues at Rolling Stone, I remember years ago, like I, I my first novel was about Sacco and Vanzetti, the the anarchists, and he said, you know, oh, I'm surprised it w- wasn't about music and i said oh I, I never would want to write a novel about music never never <laughs> and then you know of course never say never but i think i think yeah as you said the um the kind of oddness of jay and the fact that he's really not part of the canon i mean if you if you made a list of 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 musicians who 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 are worthy of a, you know, of a, some sort of novelistic treatment? You'd, you know, you'd start at the top with like James Brown or Elvis or whoever, and like maybe like several hundred names down, you'd get to Jay right. if you were doing a more traditional list. But for me, I was like, oh yes, that's the reason why I want to do it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Mark Benelli. He's an author and contributing editor of Rolling Stone magazine. We are talking about uh, his new book, Screaming. J. Hawkins' all-time greatest hits, a sort of inventive retelling of the life of uh, a blues singer who had one hit, uh, but then also had a really interesting uh, life. Uh, if you want to call and join the conversation, we're going to talk about the news in a little bit. Uh, 313-577-1019 is the number. That's 313-577-1019. Um, Mark, I want to turn to uh, the news of the week. You do now write about politics. And uh, <laughs> there's a little bit going on, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's start with uh, Donald Trump's uh, presumed uh, pick for vice president, Mike Pence of Indiana. Um, you know, I- I'm not sure I was surprised or not surprised uh, by this. I-, I did think that uh, you know one of the one of the opportunities you have picking a vice president is tr- to try to sort of broaden the support that you have, right? You pick somebody who compliments you in, in a way that uh, uh, that might get you voters who you who don't necessarily uh, take to you. I'm not sure that Pence sort of uh, that Pence sort of does that, but at the same time, I'm trying to sort of scratch my head and think of who would do that, who would actually have taken the job. I mean, I, right. I, Donald Trump sort of is is painted into a corner in this in this regard, in the sense that. Most people just not gonna not gonna be on that ticket, and I mean, don't you think he's also painted in, into a corner and to a certain extent because of the brand that he's created? I mean, yes. I don't know that his hardcore fans want an establishment sort right. of respected politician that that maybe <laughs> that maybe kind of some of the Washington elites um, on the conservative side are hoping he would pick. I think yeah. that would have been kind of counter to everything he's done. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, Mike Pence is is a respected uh, in the GOP establishment governor. Uh, he's got a lot of odd uh, odd views. I mean, he doesn't believe in evolution. Uh, he, he caused a, a huge storm in his state last year. Uh, with the RIFRA uh, law that 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 got enacted, um, I, I, I'm I'm not sure what he does for Donald Trump. Hurt, help, uh, nothing. Is it is it a wash? I agree. Yeah, I don't see what the sort of value he he's bringing to the ticket is. Although I guess all the other names on the short list, as you said, it was, it was a pretty short <laughs> list probably <laughs> because people were running in the other direction. But if you t- think about Chris Christie or Gingrich, the the other two big names who are being 
um, sort of bandied about. I don't know what they would have brought either. I mean, no. I guess that's dumb, doubling. That would have been doubling down on the the Trumpiest yeah, um, yeah. aspects of of him. Which which is not surprising for Gingrich. It's a little surprising for Christie, who I think has traveled the furthest in the Republican Party in terms of. Uh, at one time, uh, certainly was the favorite uh, to to be the nominee. Uh, now is seen pretty much as a joke. I mean, I, this is a guy who's going to have a hard time maintaining the job uh, that he that he has now. I would think. Yeah, he's. In, I mean, I I live in New York now, and he's incredibly. I know he's incredibly unpopular in in New Jersey, and I think part part of that has to do with how much time he he spent you he know spent, outside sure. of the state campaigning and sort of letting um, letting things fall apart back home. Yeah. Uh, we've got a call here from Steve in Huntington Woods. Steve, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you. Thanks very much. Sure. Uh, I just wanted to uh, say how pleased I am to hear that there's a book about Spin and Jay Hawkins. <laughs> Are you a fan, Steve? <laughs> I'm a big fan. Yeah, I love Spin and Jay, and uh, I will definitely get the book. Hope I can get it autographed at some point. And <laughs> sure. uh, I also want to encourage everybody to... Check out the videos of Spin and Jay performing. I put a spell on you. They're, they're just they're just wonderful, and you can see them on YouTube. Wow, wow, uh, Steve, uh, talk about um, what it is about Scream and Jay that that you like. Is it, it does it go beyond uh, that one song to the to the other things that he did? Well, it, 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 it's um, it's kind of the anarchistic uh, nature of what he was what he was doing. Uh, uh, blues is a, a traditional form, and, and it's very recognizable. But uh, occasionally, blues artists stray beyond the the, uh, uh, the, the limits of what's considered uh, societally conforming. Right. And I think Scream and Jay did that both uh, vocally and with the, as you said, with the creepiness and the horror <laughs> and the, the surreal nature of uh, his greatest hit. So I just admire his his boundary breaking. Yeah. Yeah. No, Steve, thanks very much uh, for the call. Uh, uh, Mark Benelli, it, it does seem like, in a way, he's sort of an extrusion of what blues is in the first place, right? I mean, Steve makes a really great point there about the nature of blues being this sort of counter uh, intuitive structure and, and form. Uh, Screamin' Jay takes that and, and goes even further than, than everybody else. Yeah, well, Steve hit on you know another aspect of Jay that's really interesting, which is the sort of theatricality that he brought to his performances. I mean, he would jump out of a coffin famously. He dressed, you know... Um, in this very outrageous, provocative cost- costumes, you know, putting a fake bone through his nose. He carried a staff with a skull on it. The <laughs> skull was named Henry. So he was really kind of getting in people's faces in almost a punk rock way, like decades before punk rock. And um, it was really interesting. I actually, my very first event for this book, um, funnily enough, uh, was was an event with George Clinton, a uh, former Detroiter. Yeah. Um, this was down in, at a festival in Florida, and and I got a chance to ask him, you know, um, if he'd met Jay or if Jay had inspired his own act, because of course, P Funk, you yeah. know, they were extraordinarily theatrical, and um, they were out on that same kind of uh, creative edge, right? Totally, uh, and yeah. certainly in the performance sense. <laughs> um, and George told me that 
in fact, on the Maggot Brain tour, which was an early <laughs> Funkadelic album, like 72 or something, um, he actually jumped out of a coffin a few times. It's directly inspired by Jay, which Is was really right? wow. kind of, kind of uh, incredible for me to hear that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. Uh, my guest is Mark Bonelli, an author and contributing editor at Rolling Stone. We're talking about the week's news and Mark Bonelli's new book, Screaming Jay Hawkins, All-Time Greatest Hits, a retelling of the life of Screamin' Jay Hawkins, a blues singer who had a hit, and but also had... Uh, a really interesting journey through music and life. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, give us a call. We want to talk about the news, talk about Donald Trump, talk about what happened in France last night in in Nice, uh, the, the the massive killing by one person driving a truck. Uh, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number. 313-577-1019. Uh, Mark, you run out of words and descriptors to come up with uh, for the things that that I think we're seeing go on in this country and around the world. This thing in Nice last night, I don't know. I mean, there's there's still a lot to learn about what happened and why, but there's nothing we're going to learn that that I think is going to make sense of of something like this. I mean, the numbers of people that that were killed, it's just staggering. Yeah, it's horrifying. I mean, and you're right, you know, you start to, it starts to feel like a cliche, like anything you say after these tragedies. But, um, I mean, what struck me, I guess, is, you know, what's really um, sort of so freakish and horrible about about this new one is just, you know, once again, someone has managed to find a new yet a new way to kill massive masses of people i mean from from just from the reports i heard it sounded like you know the security was decent you yeah. know they had the street blocked off but you know it's hard for um it's hard to conceive of somebody doing something so horrific like driving a truck through a crowd of people and yeah. so it's just yeah yeah i mean it it, it it does seem sometimes when when you sit and look at the news and watch television and things like that, that there is something extraordinary about now. Uh, There's something unusual about what is going on. And I I guess the frustration that I feel is I can't put my finger on what it is. Why is now the way it is? Why are we witnessing these things in in a way that seems so different than before? I mean, I wonder how much of it is, I mean, obviously huge events like this would be huge stories no matter what. And then I think some of the other some of the other tragic events that have been happening, particularly, uh, you know, a number of the police shootings, I think were always happening, of course, and we're just, we're, we're, it, just, we're just now seeing, seeing it because yeah. of technology and it's, and, and also because of technology, it's getting passed around a lot more. So even if you're a person maybe 10 years ago who wouldn't have been as up on the news, like you, you're, you're still today, probably somebody who looks at Facebook. And so you're, you're, you're the stuff is in your face. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about uh, uh, the other side of the presidential equation. We talked about Donald Trump and his VP pick. Bernie Sanders on the Democratic side came out this week and endorsed Hillary Clinton. But some Sanders supporters are still really mad about what happened. They feel like they were rooked out of uh, out of their candidate being the nominee. Uh, what effect did his endorsement have on her campaign? Good, bad, indifferent? I think, you know, her campaign, they're they're thrilled about it. It's finally, you know, they can move beyond that um, that rift and, and try to sort of win over the the Sanders supporters. I suspect that the um 
the the um the holdouts the number of holdouts that's sort of overstated like they're you know i did i did get an email from a from a friend here in michigan actually this week who was furious about is that right um sanders is uh um, endorsement and felt like you know um, he'd been bought and sold, sold by <laughs> Goldman Sachs. I, was like, I don't. It seems a little extreme, but uh, but you know, it, it you, you can understand that you you know Sanders, especially somebody like Sanders. It's it's you know I went I, I wrote a profile of Sanders, yeah, one of the very early ago, profiles. Right? Yeah. Um, now this was about a year ago. Okay. I profiled him like when nobody was taking the the campaign very seriously. So I went to a number of the early events, and then I. Then I went back on the on the road uh, later um, in Iowa, New Hampshire, and you you really you know felt the difference. You know when you'd go to a Sanders rally and a Clinton rally. I don't know if you went to any of the ones they had here, but it's just it's there's this real passion among it's his a supporters. Belief, right? Yeah. I mean, it's this very deep belief that's driving uh, the people who support him, and that's different from from your mainstream normal sort of candidacy. It, it is almost. Uh, it almost recalls the, the the fervor over Obama in some ways. Yeah. And I wonder, I don't know that anyone's really taken a look at how much crossover there is there, right? That the people who were the most excited about Barack Obama in 2008 are, are those the same folks who were worked up about Bernie Sanders uh, today. Um, but, but getting them into the Democratic tent seems still to be a task that's in front of Hillary Clinton, not, not behind her. And, you know, the convention... Is certainly an opportunity to try to do that. I'm really curious about how they'll structure that in a way that reaches out not only to those po- folks but also to the middle, right? She's it's still a tricky gotta, line to walk, right? She's still got to get independents who may be uh, who may be uh, skeptical of her of her campaign. So, I mean, I, 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 no question, she needed Sanders to do what he did. I just am not sure that uh, that we've seen the last of this. Yeah, well, it sounds like Elizabeth Warren has already been um, assigned a pretty prominent speaking spot, right? So I think she'll go a long way towards towards um, bridging that gap. And yeah. then Sanders himself, I guess, will remains to be seen. You know what he does his his endorsement of her wasn't exactly you know <laughs> ringing. <laughs> but um, I think what people forget about Sanders is he's not really. I mean, he he became a Democrat to run for. Um, for president, but he's and he's caucused with the Democrats for years, but he doesn't, you know, he's been independent yeah. for, for he's not really career. a Democrat. <laughs> yeah. So um, this this these cries for like loyalty and things like that, that's not really what he's about. He's, <laughs> he's, he's, not he's, he's looking at bigger things. That, that's exactly right. Um, let's go to uh, <clears throat> let's go back to the phones here. McConnell in Troy. Welcome to Detroit today. Hi, thank you for having me on again. Sure. Uh, right. Uh, just one comment I really have to say is in the unfortunate since it happened last night in Nice. Um, I have some family members that are there right now or hoping to hear from them. Um, and uh, uh, that uh, originally from, they're originally French. And uh, we're really kind of concerned about that. But what we have noticed is that, um, and usually these kinds of mass kind of killing incidents that have occurred over the last year, especially in the United States, you know, we're looking at 30 and 40 and more people being killed. The concentration has always been on terms of the weapon use, and I find that uh, it's not that surprising that something as simple as a vehicle, which can sometimes really be construed as an inherently dangerous item, uh, has been used at this type of uh, destruction this time in terms of killing. So we're normally, in the United States, you know, the concentration is on what was used, why, high-capacity magazines, assault rifles, yada, yada, yada. This time, we're looking at the simplicity of how these terrorism acts are being used, because 
uh, it's not that complicated. And unfortunately, I don't find it that surprising that yeah. something that simple, that large, is being used in this context. And I'm just wondering what uh, your guest feels about the fact that something simplistic is being used and the argument that comes in about whether or not guns are the problem in the United States versus in other countries are now just the idea of just uh, individual radicalization of doing a mass terrorist act, right. regardless of nationality or ethnicity. Uh, just uh, simple violence. McConnell, uh, thanks very much for that call. I, you know, uh, Mark Benelli, I, I sort of feel like that's the, that's the fear dynamic that surrounds this, right? That's what makes it so scary is it, this, this is really an unconventional kind of uh, attack. If it was a terrorist attack, it really doesn't matter what the, the motivation was, I suppose. Uh, but but the idea of taking a truck and driving it through a crowd is really different from taking a, even from taking a gun <clears throat> and shooting into a crowd or setting off a bomb uh, in a crowd. It, it, there is something really uh, venal uh, about that that I think, uh, uh, again, makes it scarier. No, that's true. And I mean, you know, it, and it's not, I mean, we could go back to something like 9-11, which we were saying the same things back then. Those guys hijacked the planes with just box cutters, right? Yeah. So that was not, they weren't using traditional weapons and it was something nobody could have ever dreamed of happening at the time. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, as far as what the caller was saying about guns, I, I think both things can be true. You know, like we can, we can say that, um, this truck attack was, you know, was just using the, the, the simplest, um, uh, uh, you know, this weaponized vehicle that, that we would never think of as a weapon. Um, but we can also kind of acknowledge that the proliferation of guns is not helping our violence problem. Right. And, yeah. And I, I, I don't know whether McConnell was trying to push back against uh, the talk about uh, gun control, but uh, certainly that's a separate conversation and, and the, the proliferation and ease with which uh, people can get weapons uh, is certainly one of the the big problems we have in this country, and and I you know we talk a lot on this show about the need to to start thinking differently about that. Um, all right, Mark Benelli, author and contributing editor at Rolling Stone, thanks for being here. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, Steve. next time you're in Detroit, we'll have you back on the show. Great, love <laughs> all it. All right, all right. Up next, we're going to talk about vacationing here in our beautiful state with Under the Radar, Michigan. Stay with us on Detroit Today.